You're listening to a podcast series from Vietcetera Production. Vietnam is forecasted to be one of the fastest growing economies in Southeast Asia and the world. To understand the dynamics behind Vietnam's miracle growth, Vietcetera meets with business leaders every week to discuss the country's future growth prospects. We also learn about how they build and manage teams and why they think innovation will be key to Vietnam's role in the world order. In today's episode of Vietnam Innovators, we'll be meeting Kartik Narayan. He's the founder and CEO of Kilo, one of the fastest growing startups in Vietnam. Kartik comes with a wealth of experience in e-commerce, serving time at tech giants like US-based Amazon, Groupon, Curious Coupon, and most recently, Tiki here in Vietnam as its chief business officer. His new venture, Kilo, is a tech startup headquartered here in Ho Chi Minh City, providing grocery wholesale products with the best prices from brands around the world. Founded on the principle that technology can affect change in traditional and deeply entrenched sectors such as offline retail stores, Kilo is all about addressing retailer and brand pain points and solving them at scale. Kartik, an alumnus of Duke University and an ex-Amazon talent, leads the team in building a next-generation retail platform. Here with us today, Kartik shares his mission to empower retailers in Vietnam by innovating within the B2B2C ecosystem, democratizing access to the best product pricing, assortment, and inventory management, and by bridging the gap between traditional distribution channels with robust software solutions. But before we begin, we'd also like to extend a big thanks to our sponsors, health tech startup GeoHealth. GeoHealth is known for their innovative products and services to improve the healthcare system in Vietnam. Drop by a visit to one of their new smart clinics at M Plaza in Ho Chi Minh City for the latest, or download their mobile apps on the App Store or Google Play for more. What's up, guys? It's your host, Hao Tran. I'm the CEO of Vietcetera and, of course, your host for the Vietnam Innovators podcast series. Uh, we're nearing our 20th episode. I can't quite remember, but we're almost at that 20 episode mark. And we're marking it with a very special guest here today. He's a close friend of Vietcetera, which is technically how we also met. His name is Kartik Narayan. He's the CEO and founder of Kilo. It's a tech startup based here in Ho Chi Minh City. He brings a wealth of e-commerce experience from around the globe. Amazon, Coupang, probably many more that I don't remember, and he'll probably share it later today. Uh, we're going to let him share about his startup journey and what Kilo is all about. And obviously, he brings a wealth of global experience, and we want to hear how he's kind of brought that to Vietnam as well. So without further ado, welcome to the studio here in Ho Chi Minh City, Kartik. Thank you very much, Hao. That was a very nice introduction. Um, and we're happy to hear more from you today, too. Uh, every time I meet Kartik, uh, it's probably been maybe three months since I last saw you. But mm-hmm. every time I see Kartik, he's always up to something. Mm-hmm. Um, Kilo, which he started about this time last year, I believe, if not a bit earlier, um, has undergone some, you know, really great opportunities, some some challenges, what startup hasn't. Um, and we want to hear about those um, kind of learnings he's had and, and his whole startup journey. So, um, Kartik, we're going to just start off with the, the first question. Uh, you're obviously not Vietnamese, um, Indian, American, a little bit of both. Um, maybe you can share about how you ended up in Vietnam of all places uh, in the first uh, kind of first place. Yeah, sure. Yes, I, I am Indian American. Uh, most of my uh, career has been spent living and working in the U.S. Hmm. I did do my undergrad and my graduate studies in the U.S. as well. 
But I've lived in Asia for the last six years, uh, Vietnam for the past three. Mm -hmm. And to answer your question around how I ended up in Vietnam, uh, look, I mean, it's probably one of those great mysteries in life where you plan for something and that's not how life works out. Uh, but very lucky to have this opportunity to actually live and work in Vietnam. Um, the story is, you know, before I had met my wife, she had actually worked in Vietnam in 2010. Mm. Uh, she's, she's Indian as well. And she had very fond memories of working and living in Vietnam uh, 10 years ago. And uh, when we were living in South Korea, uh, you know, back in 2016, 2017, uh, we were thinking about, you know, whether we want to stay in Asia or go back to the U.S., which is technically home. And uh, an opportunity in 2018 came up where uh, Tiki uh, was still at a pretty nascent stage. Mm -hmm. And the founder and CEO of Tiki wanted to hire uh, two key positions. Mm -hmm. One was a head of HR and one was a chief business officer. And lucky for us and lucky for him, he was able to hire both my wife and I at the same time. So we relocated from Seoul to Ho Chi Minh. Uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. I spent about 14, 15 months at Tiki, really saw um, a tremendous amount of growth, both in terms of uh, uh, macro consumption mm -hmm. uh, in, in Vietnam, uh, particularly in e-commerce, but 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 also specifically in Tiki, where we went from having a few hundred thousand items to millions of items for customers, really scaling up the Tiki Now subscription program, et cetera. So I got to be, uh, be a part of that journey. Mm. Uh, I also learned a lot about uh, what it is like to to work in Vietnam. It's it's a very it's a very di different market compared to the six other countries that I've worked in. Uh, both in terms of um, the demographics, of course, but customer wants, customer preferences, how to hire and retail and uh, retain talent, um, and just keeping up with the rapid change. So um, very excited to, to have gone through that <coughs> at a company like Tiki, and now uh, going through that with my own firm at Kilo. Excellent. I mean, Tiki, for those of you that uh, are listening and don't, uh, aren't too familiar with Tiki, essentially one of the Amazons of, of Vietnam, uh, one of the bigger startup companies in, in Vietnam as well. So um, I, I think the founder, he's obviously started as a, as a bookstore similar to Jeff Bezos and ha has become a, a monster company here in Vietnam. Um, and with that, uh, many challenges. So obviously Kartik uh, saw a lot of those and, and, and was able to hopefully solve some of them. Um, in the process of going through that experience in, in Vietnam and everywhere else you've worked, I'm sure you've identified some key areas that you see as consistent problems that Tiki or other Amazons, you know, can't necessarily solve themselves. And so maybe share us with us about how you started Kilo as a way to kind of solve that that whole process that you've seen in retail and and whatnot in those connected industries. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, <clears throat> What makes retail in Vietnam different than um, the U.S. or South Korea or Europe, where I've spent a long time working, is the fact that most of retail really sits offline. 98% of retail really sits offline. 
Out of that 98%, um, 80% sits with small stores, your mm-hmm. corner stores. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy, to, easy to look at, you know, content consumption, for example, in Vietnam on, on Vietcetera or YouTube or Facebook and, and, and say, look, you know, things are changing so rapidly. The adoption is so quick. Um, you know, people are adopting to, to, to new ways of consuming content, consuming technology. But, you know, tech has not solved uh, the majority of the challenges in, in, in the retail space. Um, so the genesis of actually starting Kilo was to take some of the learnings that I had at companies like Amazon, Coupang, and Tiki, and to implement them uh, to a larger um, problem set or larger opportunity in terms of, of, of the retail landscape. So it sounds like it's so, starting with digital transformation. 98% of Vietnam is, you know, Vietnam is obviously connected, but a lot of these retailers, the ones that you're talking about, um, they're in these shop houses. Sometimes they live upstairs and mm-hmm. they make a shop downstairs. Um, they do everything the old school way, just calling people, you know, writing pieces of paper and, and you guys are providing a solution. It sounds like to hopefully uh, make it, more accessible, make it yep. more efficient. Yep. Um, walk us through how that product works exactly. Maybe maybe paint a, paint a picture of. Yep. Um, I am a potential customer of Kilo. Like, who am I, and how am I using yep. this exactly sure. to, to improve my business? Yeah, it's a good question. Let me actually tell you about the larger vision mm-hmm. for what the platform will eventually become. Mm-hmm. Uh, the retail landscape has six different parties, if you will. You have shoppers like you and I. You have brands, both multinational brands like Pepsi, Coca-Cola, as well as great local brands like Masan. Uh, the third group would be uh, retailers, uh, the small shops, the shop houses, the tapwas. The fourth party would be distributors and wholesalers. Fifth would be lending institutions like banks and uh, even unorganized credit providers. And lastly, you have logistics providers. So in some form or fashion, uh, all of these six parties interact with one another for exchange of goods and services. Uh, the fragmentation that exists in retail also exists in the these six different parties. So the vision for Kilo ultimately is to connect all six parties under a, under a single platform within the Kilo ecosystem. As part of phase one, what we're doing is we are building a marketplace platform to connect wholesalers and distributors with retailers. Um, And the pitch to retailers, the pitch to wholesalers and distributors is is quite simple. Uh, We say, look, you know, uh, the future of buying products is on your smartphone, uh, whether it's through an app or a browser, uh, makes things very, very convenient. that's how most of the world is 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 working today. Uh, so there's a one-stop shop for you as a owner operator of a, a small store to come in, build a basket, get transparency into pricing and assortment and availability, build a basket and check out. So that's one side of the marketplace. On the other side of the marketplace, you have wholesalers and distributors who a lot of times 
operate on very thin margins. Uh, a few large wholesalers, particularly in, in beverage categories, really live on cash flow. They don't even make margin. So, um, and when you look at their operations, it's extremely high touch. There's not a lot of technology that, 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 that enables them to run a better business. So the pitch to them would be that we're offering a platform where you can come in, register yourself. It's a very simple self-service registration platform. If you're not for that, we have a business development team, an onboarding team that can onboard wholesalers and distributors onto our platform. You control the pricing and the uh, quantity allotment. Um, and once a retailer places an order, it's your job to fulfill that order. So the convenience aspect of running a better business without having to take any inventory risk or having to compete with 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 one another hmm. makes it a really attractive proposition for both sides of the marketplace. Um, so I think that's one important point to drive home is we're not we're not here to compete with wholesalers or distributors. We're not here to compete with retailers. In fact, we feel like Kilo is even more relevant now with you know, competition is increasing for wholesalers and distributors with some of the incumbents coming in and, you know, putting a lot of capital behind behind uh, solving a common set of problems. And so we think that our approach is different. Our approach is not necessarily to build a better product. Uh, we don't believe in that. We believe in building a, a uh, solving the problem in a different way. Uh, we're off to a pretty good start, uh, but it's a... 10-year journey. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, we're in it for the long term. Excellent. And it sounds like, you know, uh, some of the pushbacks that you may have encountered may not even be with the technology necessarily. It's just digital transformation, which just takes time. And um, luckily, we're in a market where adoption is picking up. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're starting, we're seeing the emergence of new technologies really becoming more uh, accessible. And, mm -hmm. and like, um, it's like almost the next generation too. I'm sure a lot of these shops uh the brick and mortar like the shop houses they're like the next generations taking over the family business now even yep. maybe a little bit too yep um which goes to my next question i mean uh, what what are some of the pushbacks to this like digital adoption of a platform like kilo from from these retailers if if any yeah so beyond uh i mean the convenience aspect is a big draw for customers mm -hmm. uh but beyond that uh the the thing that uh, startups in the space uh, like Kilo need to keep in mind is this is a long journey. Mm. Um, the distribution model, particularly for FMCG products, the distribution model is 150 years old. Mm -hmm. It's not something that that's come about in the last 30 or 40 years. Like freight forwarding or shipping goods. Like I remember they're still doing uh, paper documentation for yeah. every shipment. You have to be doing sure. that. Yeah. yeah. So. So, you know, coming in and, you know, throwing an app up onto the Play Store, App mm -hmm. Store, and expecting overnight results uh, is just not, is just not practical, mm. right? It's not pragmatic, not practical. So, uh, so what does that mean? That means that the, the journey is long and, you know, uh, disruption should not be the model, in, in, in my opinion. The model should be more about taking everybody along in the journey and trying to change something as entrenched as uh, FMCG distribution, which is 100, 150 years old, takes time. Uh, so, so the pushback really from customers that we've gotten is, 
you know, we've been doing things the traditional way for a long time. Uh, we don't really want to change the process. Uh, so it's our job, it's Kilo's job, it's my job, it's my responsibility to really show customers the value of making their lives simpler so that they can get the time back to spend with family or starting a new business um, or running a more efficient business uh, in their current operations, growing their business. The other thing that we care deeply about is um, we also want the next generation that's inheriting a store, let's say, to have a pride of ownership. Mm -hmm. You know, the younger generation, the next generation um, should feel like they're inheriting a business that they can actually build on and make better. Uh, that can only happen if a set of tools are available for them to do so. Uh, so one of our missions is also to, to, to make sure that we instill this, this pride of ownership as mm -hmm. the business changes hands over, over subsequent generations. Excellent. Um, which leads me to my next question. Um, you know, as CEO, and we're making business plans all the time and, and envisioning where our companies want to go. And, and sometimes there's assumptions that just don't turn out the way that we thought it would be, mm -hmm. uh, despite all the research, even on the ground field work that we do. Do you mind sharing any of those? So ha have you encountered any? It could be internal, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. going to the market. What, what were some of those challenges that yep. you you kind of faced but and hopefully addressed if or maybe you're in the process of addressing. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be generic and then be specific, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, startups are extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you, you've done it. Uh, you know what it's like. Yep. Uh, but startups are really, really hard uh, uh, because you're, you're sort of having to do a lot of things all at once and still prioritize the most important ones. Uh, founders go through a lot of whiplash. Uh, so the thing that has helped me manage things is, is, and you know, me and my team focus a lot on this, is to be focused on the inputs, uh, not to get distracted by outcomes at all. Mm. Uh, you know, so if we're solving something, we don't, we don't want to think about the outcome. We want to focus very deeply on the inputs and the process. Because if we get that right over a course of a few iterations, the outcome will solve itself, right? Um, so one example of that, uh, to be specific, is uh, we were trying to come up with a, uh, a better incentive model for our sales team. We went through a few iterations. I have the same process. I can, I can, <laughs> yeah. I can share with you my, my findings there. So we went through uh, some expensive changes mm. which caused, um, you know, the, the, the teams to feel that um, they don't have a great deal of visibility or um, our customers to feel like the targets are changing a lot. And so we want to minimize that, right? Um, so after going through the first two iterations, what we saw is that the way we were planning and modeling the sales incentive structure was not very well thought out. Mm. And so instead of focusing on what our sales expense as a percent of GMV needs to be, we sort of ignored that completely and we went 
through this deep introspective exercise about what are the true input metrics into the business that actually move the needle and changing the incentive structure to incent teams to solve for those input metrics. And coincidentally, as a result, actually our, our efficiency got better, right? So we're spending less and getting more. Uh, so, so that's one example I can think of. Uh, the other one is, is to keep things simple, I would say. Um, there, you, you know, in startups, you can quickly complicate things, whether it's picking a technology solution, you know, a database tech stack, or hiring, uh, or even moving into an office, you know, all these decisions that-, that On the topic of hiring, so. you're hiring quite a bit. We, we are hiring, we are hiring a lot. Here's a little so, plug for our readers right here. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So, so keep things simple, right? So keep things simple. Um, on the hiring front, yes, uh, we're aggressively hiring. Um, you know, right now we have a team of smart young engineers on the team, but you know, we're looking to add at least 12 to 20 full stack engineers and product wow. managers okay. uh, in the course of the next few months. And so uh, I'm spending a disproportionate amount of time uh, talking to potential candidates, getting mm -hmm. them excited about, about Kilo, telling them about the greater mission. So if you know of any good product owners or full stack engineers, our office is in uh, District 1. Awesome. Uh, uh, any referrals are appreciated. Yeah, on, on the topic of building teams, I mean, um, a company like yours with the, the model you have, it's it's built for scale. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars of transaction volume, most likely, I'm assuming, if not more uh, in the future, uh, especially toward that 10 uh, year horizon. Mm -hmm. um, I understand you guys raised a seed funding recently, so uh, we'd love to hear more, maybe more about that and maybe some who, who those investors are uh, and kind of what are their motivations for investing in a company like Kilo, yep. given that it's also serving the Vietnam market. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I've worked in, in, in corporations before, both, you know, public and non-public corporations before, but this is my first time founding a, a tech startup, mm -hmm. so I'm a first time founder. Um, going into this, what I thought would be that raising capital would be one of the biggest challenges. Uh, it is not. Uh, it's not easy, mm -hmm. but it is not the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is to build and retain the right culture. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's, that's very, very hard, uh, but it's very important. It's probably the most critical thing. So what does that mean? That means um, hiring the right people, hiring people for attitude, and then checking for skill. Uh, we approach fundraising in a similar way where we want uh, investors that can collaborate with us and uh, you know, uh, co-own not just the cap table, but also the company culture. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're lucky enough to have investments from uh, you know, January Capital, uh, Goodwater Capital. Those are U.S. based. It sounds like uh, January yeah. is Singapore based. Singapore. Goodwater. Uh, Goodwater is based in the U.S. Okay. Uh, Goodwater is a prolific fintech investor. They have investments into PayPal, Stripe, every sort of fintech company mm. you can think of. I think they even led the the round for Momo, which was recently announced. Mm. So, uh, so we have January. We have Goodwater. Uh, five hundred startups. Vietnam. Five hundred fintech. They've been really early partners and supporters. Uh, uh, for us. Uh, in addition to that, we also have a 
strategic family office that's made an investment into into kilo so uh so we have enough runway to 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 go fast and go far um but more importantly um we have the right set of partners that we can we can rely on whether it's for product or and and tech expertise or compliance uh, 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 help, mm-hmm. uh, finance help, legal help. So we really feel that bringing on these four or five investors, we've actually brought on four or five different co-founders in many ways. Uh, so we feel very, very bullish about, about where we are today with our seed round. Um, again, you know, uh, raising capital is, 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 is not the biggest challenge uh, a startup would face. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about hiring the right people and preserving the right culture. But that being said, we do feel uh, pretty happy and pretty proud of where we ended up in terms of our, 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 our seed round. Awesome. And it sounds like there's a lot of appetite from investors, especially from overseas. They're seeing the excitement of the market growth here in Vietnam, which leads me to my next question. And actually, you know, just before this uh, session here, I posted on my LinkedIn hmm. and uh, a, a couple other channels asking our listeners and our readers uh, sharing that, hey, you know, Kartik's joining the show. Um, uh, he's worked at all these global brands, and now he's starting something in Vietnam of all places. Um, what are some of your questions for him? So mm. we got tons of questions. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So okay. we're, we're going to play a couple of them. Uh, we had, I think, like 75 in total. 75 questions. Yeah. And I just posted it this morning. You probably didn't even see it yet. I didn't see it. But uh, two, we're only going to pick two because okay. uh, we, ha- we get them to call in. So they got to give us, the, uh, we want to kind of keep the audience a little bit engaged, not just like reading off a screen. Um, we we want to get them uh, calling in. So we got two questions. Um, we're going to have our producer, Zoe, play one of them. Zoe, let's play. Be- before, before we play that, yes. can, I just, yeah. can I just say that, you know, I've been following Vietcetra now for, I don't know, two years, maybe even more than that. Mm. Um, I love the format. I love sort of how you guys are thinking about, Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, propagating talent, uh, both in English and in Vietnamese. Mm. Uh, so fantastic job. I, I look forward to what else is. Awesome. Yeah. A lot of people road. are curious about yeah. your background because not a lot of people from like Amazon and Coupang are here in Vietnam of all places. So, <laughs> um, but that's a sign of the times, right? Um, let's play the one about the fundraising one. I know, Kartik, you talked about it already, mm-hmm. um, but I really want you to maybe touch upon maybe at the macro level okay. uh, why there's so much appetite or maybe there isn't. Um, and on the maybe the startup side, um, share about your not only your experience, but just um, maybe for founders in general, what are yep. some tips? So we're okay. going to play that one right now. Hi, Patrick. So how has the fundraising environment been as a startup founder in Vietnam? Thank you. So it sounds like uh, she might be a startup founder yeah, or yeah. A potential one herself. Maybe you can elaborate on that. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's difficult to generalize, but what I can say is... Uh, yes, there's a lot of excitement about Vietnam, um, uh, you know, not just because of the market and not just because of the fact that, you know, uh, COVID is under control and all, all of the stuff you read in the news. But also Vietnam in general has great science, uh, mathematics and engineering programs. So you have engineers that are now going from um, managing outsourcing solutions to to founding companies. Right. So. That's actually quite different than than even mature markets relatively like Indonesia. Mm. So um, the it depends. It depends on where the company is and its life cycle. 
if you're at the pre-seed, seed, even Series A, um, the fundraising environment in, 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 in Vietnam now is very positive. Uh, anything beyond B and C, uh, because of COVID, uh, a lot of investors are not able to do the in-person due diligence. And some founders may face challenges where if a lead fund it doesn't have a physical footprint in Vietnam, mm. uh, they might want to wait till they can travel into Vietnam and travel out of Vietnam. Was that your experience? No, our experience, because we just raised a seed round, uh, we didn't have to go through those challenges. Mm. Uh, but um, I anticipate that we will soon be ready for a Series A, uh, at which point, uh, you know, I've got to think about how to how to manage investor expectations mm -hmm. and raise a really big round if investors are not able to travel here, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so, so that's one key consideration. The second thing is, um, I think it's very, my learning has been, it's very, very important to tell the story, right? More than making the deck look good. In fact, somebody told me if your deck looks very good, you it's- spent too much time on it. It's not a good sign. Mm -hmm. So um, keep it simple. Uh, but the storytelling is extremely important, right? Uh, storytelling is extremely important. Uh, a few founders think that speaking English really well is 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 important. I disagree with that. I think any investor that that makes that a prerequisite mm -hmm. is probably somebody you, you you don't want on your cap table uh, because you're serving local customers here, mm -hmm. and English is not a prerequisite for serving customers here. No. Uh, but you do need to you need you need to you need to be conversational so that you can tell the right story to investors, yeah. right? Um, my, and, my question yeah. for you, actually, you know, um, Kilo has its own set of challenges. Market uh, the market Vietnam has its own set of challenges mm -hmm. and opportunities. Did you have more questions about Kilo or more questions about Vietnam? Because some of these guys are are investing. Uh, I mean, they've invested in Vietnam before, uh. but in your experience, more questions about the startup or more questions about Vietnam. From these guys both both hmm. i would say both um but you know learning about vietnam can be done independent of um interviewing the 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 founders mm. right uh, a lot of investors can do that independently they can read material they can absorb macro trends um so as the conversation through the fundraising progressed it went from learning about vietnam to learning about the founders and then learning about the business itself. So that's how I would think about the funnel. Uh, and a lot of times, I think it's also important to remember that, you know, the founders need to control the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I had to, I, I got that early learning to say, you know, let me sort of control the conversation and steer in the direction that I want to take it. Yeah, that's definitely uh, something good, a uh, good tip to keep in mind. <laughs> um, we're going to have time for one more listener question. So okay. Zoe, our producer is going to, Roll that for us. Hi, Patrick. I have just one question for you. So what product highlights can we look forward to in 2021? Thank you. So yeah, let's talk about innovation at the, the product yeah. side. What do, you, what do you have in store that uh, will get people and customers excited? Yep. So we, uh, we want to be, be very thoughtful in the way we sequence our product roadmap. Uh, I think that one of the pitfalls uh, that startups fa uh, fall into is to bolt on too many features too fast uh, without really understanding the customer well uh, or sequence it properly. So if you want to 
use the, the use the idiom of putting the cart before the horse. Um, so the first half of 2021, we want to just double down on our existing product and make it very, very solid. Um, you know, we are redoing a tech stack to make it more scalable, um, not just from a um, not just from a sort of a scalability and cost point of view, but also uh, recruiting talent. Uh, so, for example, um, you know, a version of our product was built in Golang. Uh, now we're realizing that Golang doesn't actually work very well at the stage that we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going back to, to, to React, right? So, so being very thoughtful about that is important. Um, so first six months, we're going to be just doubling down our existing product, our marketplace product, which connects wholesalers and distributors to, to, to retailers. The second half of this year will be extremely exciting as we, you know, hire you know, 10 to 20 engineers and product managers onto our team, they'll get to work on uh, things like a a promotions engine where um, our sellers can hyper-target promotions to a specific set of retailers. Uh, We will also introduce uh, a few things around payments and lending, uh, which should be very exciting. Um, Beyond that, there's a few other experimental things that we will work on, but... Um, those are the two things that customers can look forward to. Excellent. Uh, well, this is going to wrap up our session here today. We've got, I know we've got so many questions to go through, but um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll have another opportunity at some further stage as Kilo evolves and, and matures as a startup here in Vietnam. Kartik Narayan, CEO, founder of Kilo. Look it up. They're hiring. Uh, tech startup based here in Ho Chi Minh City logistics, supply chain, retailer, marketplace, doing a lot of great stuff for the retail um, industry in Vietnam. So we look forward to digital transformation, hopefully at scale for this industry. Kartik, um, any last words you might, you might want to share with our listeners today? It's an exciting time to be in Vietnam. And it's an exciting time to be in tech. Uh, so uh, keep, 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 uh, we want to keep the momentum going, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's very important. Thank you so much for your, your time and, and great questions. And thanks to your audience as well. Thanks so much, Kartik. And we hope to welcome you back soon. Vietcetra's Vietnam Innovator Series is only one of many podcasts hosted by the team. We also have Have a Sip, hosted by our VP of Content, Thuy Minh, as well as the Vietnamese edition of Vietnam Innovators, hosted by Vietcetra's Chief Operating Officer, Ruby Nguyen. Look out for more podcast production soon from the Vietcetra team. You can also check out the video version of this podcast on our other platforms, such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week. So don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetra's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube channel for more interesting content. Thanks for listening to another episode of Vietnam Innovators, brought to you by our partners, health tech startup GeoHealth. They're best known for their doctor-at-home services, but offer much more than that. If you haven't already, check out their mobile apps on the App Store and Google Play for more or drop by for a visit to their new smart clinic at M Plaza in Ho Chi Minh City.